Deborah the Judge. The Israelites, led by Moses, finally made their way out of Egypt after about 200 years of enslavement. After 40 grueling years in the desert, they entered the land that God promised Abraham and Sarah under the guidance of Joshua. The people rejoiced and praised the Lord for his goodness and faithfulness. But the generations that followed didn't experience God like their forefathers did and pursued evil instead. But God did not forsake them. He allowed their enemies victory over his children so that in their suffering they would call upon his name and find him. This was the era of the judges. The Israelites, oppressed by cruel enemies, would cry out for mercy and the Lord would respond. He would anoint a judge to deliver them out of the hands of their enemies. The judge would succeed, the people would be free, and in no time they'd return to their evil ways again. This cyclic pattern would continue repeatedly. The term judge is translated from the Hebrew word Elohim. In the Hebrew sense of the word, the judges of Israel were not limited to judicial activities. Along with settling disputes among the Israelites and providing divine wisdom and revelation to those who sought, the judges of Israel were also religious leaders that mediated between God and the people and military leaders that led them in war against their enemies. Our Bible woman of the week, Deborah, was the only female judge of Israel. We know very little about her personal life other than the fact that she was married to a man named Lapidoth. The Bible tells us that she was a prophetess who would sit under the palm of Deborah settling disputes among the Israelites. This was not common. As I mentioned, she was the only woman of the 12 judges appointed by God over Israel. In a culture in which these roles were typically filled by men, God appointed Deborah. Deborah summoned Barak, the commander of the Israelites, and proclaimed the message that God had for him, a promised victory in the war against the Canaanites, their oppressors. Deborah then accompanied Barak to war and returned victorious to sing a famous song of praise. Deborah, a woman leading Israel spiritually and in military, was not a common scene in that culture or in Jewish tradition. There is much for us to humbly learn from the act of God through Deborah's life. Here, I've chosen to focus on four. Number one, God appoints women as leaders, even spiritual leaders. This is a truth that should renew our minds. Many men and women need to challenge their thinking that has been misinformed by culture or by legalistic interpretation of scripture. For the past couple of weeks, we've been referring to the God-given role of a wife as being in submission to the husband's leadership. I realize that many in Christian circles make a quick hop, skip, and a jump from this truth to the fallacy that this is the sole or even optimal role for a woman in general. Not so. The Bible is full of stories of God calling, 
commissioning and using women in roles of strategic and spiritual leadership. Rahab provided refuge to a few, thereby changed the course of history. Queen Esther was used to change the heart of a king, thereby saving the whole Jewish race. Jesus' female disciples, the two Marys, were the very first messengers of the good news of the resurrected Christ. Lydia, who we'll be talking about in the next episode, was used to mobilize the first church in Philippi. Priscilla, alongside her husband Aquila, taught doctrine to Apollos, a proliferant preacher. In the story of Deborah, other than herself, we have a woman, Jael, that Deborah calls blessed of all tent makers because God used her to kill Sisera and thereby end the oppression of the Jews. Deborah herself, a prophetess, a messenger of the Lord, would sit daily under a tree performing the civic duty of a judge, but also bringing the word of the Lord to encourage the suffering people. Yes, God uses women to rule countries, change the hearts of men, and spiritually lead and restore others. Number two, God is not limited by man's restrictions on women. So as Christians, we should refrain from doing so. Paul reminds us in Galatians 3 verse 28 that there is no longer male or female, but all are one in Christ. In the early church, unlike many churches we see today, women were not limited to secondary roles of serving coffee and decorating the church. In his greetings at the end of the book of Romans, Paul thanks 10 fellow women believers who are active ministers in the church, who prophesied, prayed, hosted, evangelized, and discipled fellow believers all within the church. Yet many Christians of today use verses like 1 Corinthians 14 verse 34 that reads, the women should be silent in the churches, they use this verse in isolation from the rest of scripture and use it to inform their church leadership or ministry leadership roles. Paul is clearly not referring to all women in this verse. He clearly appreciates and honors his fellow women servants of Christ for their active ministerial and leadership roles in the church. It is baffling to me that Bible teachers who remind us to read verses in the light of the whole of scriptures miss this point. Or perhaps it's convenient omission. Regardless, we are at a loss until the church moves past its self-induced hiccups with women leaders. Number three, God does more through the willing heart than the able body. A friend and a devoted listener to this podcast recently sent me a list of things she learned from her study on leadership. One of the bullet points was, your ability is not as important as your availability. Thanks, Lena. So true. Deborah summoned the commander of the army, Barak, to go to battle at the word of promised victory from the Lord. He said he'd go, but only if Deborah accompanied him. The Bible doesn't give us insight into the heart of Barak's response, 
No doubt he had faith in God because the Bible says so in Hebrews 11 verse 32. Yet his response did not match his faith. He was skilled, strong, and brave, else he wouldn't have been the commander. We can only speculate as to why he said that. But we know, because the Bible says so, that his hesitation cost him the glory of his act of faith. Deborah knew that God was faithful to keep his word. She confidently accompanied Barak and he set out to war. But because Barak hesitated, God used Jael, a woman, to ultimately kill the evil oppressor Sisera and end the suffering of Israel. God is not impressed with our skill, our abilities, or our resources. These are all gifts from him that we can choose to use for his glory without hesitation to be faithful participants in the ministry of Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit. Number four, God is to be praised every step of the way. Judges 5 presents to us what some theologians believe to be one of the oldest passages of scripture. It's a song of praise by Deborah and Barak upon their victorious return. I encourage you to read it slowly and thoroughly. Lean in and hear every word that pours out of the hearts filled with gratitude because of very personal experiences. The psalmist reminds us to sing unto the Lord a new song. Psalm 96 verse 1. Songs, prayers, poetry, and other expressions of praise to God is the apt response to his faithfulness and his sovereignty. Thanksgiving to God should be a necessary expression of worship for the believer. Get into the habit of expressing gratitude to God for the deep valley suffering and the mountaintop victories. Both are valuable relationship building experiences that increase our faith and deepen our trust in the Almighty. I'm ever so grateful for the story of Deborah found in chapters four and five of the book of Judges. She was brave and strong and wise but above all, she was obedient to the Lord. And because of this, God used her to change the lives of those around her. Perhaps he could use one such as me too. And we're back with Cynthia and this week's spotlight on a woman from the scriptures. Cynthia is Deborah, as we just heard you talk about Deborah. And it's been interesting. So we went from Eve to Sarah, and now Deborah. That was an interesting pick. And I have heard quite a bit about Deborah, and it is a lot of people talk about Deborah in sermons and everything like that. What particularly drew you to her? I think the fact that she was a leader in Israel, which was so uncommon in that time, in that culture. And that I thought that was so interesting. And mm the response of the people toward her despite that and her courage and attitude despite yeah. that. So, yeah. So awesome. I, I love me some Deborah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So I was thinking about you and you have two daughters. In light of reading about Deborah and reading from the Bible, tell me, like, do you teach your daughters about leadership 
And how do you encourage them to model their life on women like Deborah? I do teach some leadership, maybe not in the traditional uh, understanding of teaching. With my girls, I try to train them to, to observe. I want them to see the world around them as it is, mm. not lopsided. Right. They should be able to look at the world and see the rich while seeing the poor. Yeah. You know, see the beauty while seeing the ugly. Have this balanced view and have a real view of the world, not right. just, uh, I want them to be useful in the world. And I think when you look at this world, there are lots of people with leadership skills. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily want to approach it with them from that angle because mm -hmm. I don't want them to get the idea that they should lead without having the grace and the mercy and the justice and all those experiences and all that, tr those, that truth in them mm. about God before they get this idea that I need to be a leader. Right. And I feel once you have that, once you have an idea of how much this world needs those things and how much this world needs God, because it's so broken, um, that passion in you will create leadership qualities. Hmm. It'll create it'll create actions in you that people would want to follow. That's so that's kind of how I how I approach it with my girls is, you know, have compassion before you want to tell someone else how to change or how right. to that's a beautiful thing we see in Deborah's story, right? Barack was the skilled commander of the army. He was faithful. He was strong. He was brave. But God chose Deborah to judge and to lead Israel in war. Mm. And he chose Jael to, to execute, no pun intended, his mission. Yeah. Right. So when we come across stories like Deborah's and Esther's and many other such women, I'm not necessarily pointing out to my girls, oh, look at these women. They were such great leaders. I'm trying to point out the fact that these women had hearts that wanted to obey God. Yeah. And because of that, God could use that however he wanted to. Like, how do you train someone to to kill someone else? That was not a leadership skill. Right. You know, that's just a heart responding to the need of the people around them. Yeah. Because it's God's chosen people and his will being done. So that's kind of my approach with leadership with my girls, at least, is you never know how God is going to use use your kids, whether it's in leadership roles in their families or leadership roles in public settings. But I think in both cases, the most useful thing is a heart that's submitted to God. It's interesting, now that I think about it, in all of Scripture... There, I can't think of anyone that aspired to a leadership position. In fact, mm -hmm. the only one that I can think of that aspired to something like that was like maybe Absalom, uh, mm -hmm. David's son who died a horrific death. But I'm trying to think of almost everybody else, even the disciples who became leaders in their own right were picked by Jesus to be discipled and yes. to serve. And so it's very interesting to think about that 
in in this world where we have so many people seeking out leadership or both men and women and self-help books on becoming better leaders, it's interesting that almost as far as I can tell, and read, listeners feel free to correct me, it, it seems like everybody in scripture was pretty much had, they had leadership thrust upon them. Would that be correct? Yeah, I, I agree. Like when you think of how each person was chosen, everybody felt they didn't have the skill. That's not their strength. Moses, yeah. David, anyone you think of. I think I'm in the same boat. I can't think of anyone who knew from when they were born. This is what I mean, yeah. except for Jesus. And that's the beauty of it is because yeah. our earthly idea of leadership doesn't serve God's mm-hmm. kingdom. We always get in the way. Our knowledge, our ideas, our that's what happened to Barak is his, he was so hesitant, though that though we're not given a reason why, we know it, it wasn't from God. Right. Whatever caused him to hes- hesitate was his earthly understanding of what he was seeing around him. It didn't look like he could win. According to all his strategies, everything he knew as the commander, that looked unlikely to him. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, God it's, chooses the most unlikely. Absolutely. And so um, we don't, and the good thing is we don't have to busy ourselves trying to qualify to be used by God. Yeah. All, all you need to have is a willing heart and a submitted heart and an obedient heart. And he will take it from there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's, that's so true. I, in fact, it, it just seems like Literally, the qualification is to just obey. <laughs> That's the leadership yeah. qualification from yeah. Scripture. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Have you found yourself in a role like this before where, where God puts you in a leadership position or where you have to show leadership? How did you respond? What were, the, what were your challenges like if you did end up in a situation like that? Well, nothing like Deborah, for sure. (laughs) I've never had to lead a hesitant leader or an oppressed nation into war. But in, in my life, I've seen how God has used my obedience to him Mm. to lead others in their thinking, mostly because a few things that God has called me to are very publicly evident in my life. Mm -hmm. And so people often ask me things about leaving my career to be a stay-at-home mom yeah. or adopting when I had a biological child or mm-hmm. choosing to stay in a marriage that was once very difficult. Yeah, And the answers to all of these questions is always God told me to. Mm. And I've seen that people are stumped by that. Yeah. It really... It challenges people to consider their position on matters and whether they're open to God's leading despite their desires or their goals and dreams. And so my response to that call has been to share it even more and more. Listen, world, I don't do any of this because I plan to or it was convenient or I'm just good at heart. Trust me, even even this podcast, De Cruz, it wasn't my idea. You can vouch for that. Yes, but, definitely. <laughs> but God uses obedience. And yeah. if I spend 20 years doing this podcast, and if even one person picks up their Bible because of it, I know many lives will be changed. That's just the way God operates. Yeah. And it's that kind of leadership that God needs, right? It's the one that challenges 
the lives around you. It may be happening like in a little office room in front of a microphone. Leadership in God's kingdom isn't necessarily leadership in the world's eyes, right? So you just choose every morning because it's nerve wracking. It's overwhelming. It's scary when God calls you to do things outside your comfort zone or things that you've never done or things that people are going to oppose you on. And you have to still step out and say, well, God called me. I'm going to do it in obedience. And yeah. So I face these challenges by reminding myself again and again, I can do none of this if God is not working in me. That Bible verse that says, it's God who works in us to will and to do uh, things according to his good pleasure and to... uh, We'll go with Um, that. Yeah, something (laughs) of that sort. (laughs) Yeah, and it truly is because like... Like we were saying before, he rarely uses us in our strengths. Not that he doesn't use our strengths. He does. Mm -hmm. But he definitely uses you in your weaknesses too, because it truly is him working through you. And that's been my experience in any kind of leading that I've done. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the favorite things to do for me is to look at the biographies of famous leaders, Christian or otherwise, but mostly for Christians, because I think it's so important. And to read about, because we we know the end of their story, because it's usually after they passed away or something, and we hear about all the great things that they've accomplished. And then if you take a moment to just kind of read through their life story, you're just, you're blown away by all the hardships they had to endure, how difficult life was. I mean, you read some of the great church leaders and missionaries and in fact, some of their biographers, when they go do the research on them, find out that they struggled with mental health issues and spiritual battles and struggling with their own faith and doubt. And and it's and God uses all of that to accomplish great things for his kingdom. And so it's just kind of a beautiful thing to know the imperfect journeys that uh, a lot of the leaders that we know of have had in the past. So yes. I think it's... Yeah. Uh, In fact, one of the more famous female leaders, if you think about, I think it's uh, Elizabeth Elliot. She went through the death of her husband. (laughs) So it's a hard, difficult road for so many of them. Right. And still stayed. And it's it's amazing what you can do in God's strength. Because there is no way. There is no way someone can do that of their own will or yeah. Let me ask my last question to you is just maybe it might be nice for the audience to even think about this too. Do you know of any modern day Deborah's that someone that you would consider a wonderful uh, leader? Well, plenty of women in my life that I've had Mm. the privilege uh, of knowing who've stepped out in obedience to God, despite their reservations and their hesitations Mm. through their stories or their, ministries or personal evangelism, just having an amazing impact on the people around them. I know many, one story I can share, though I don't have permission to, the story too, but we have a friend who, she is the most introverted and most shy, is the shyest or most shy person that I know. And earlier, this is Lainey I'm speaking of, and earlier this year, she decided to share the gospel with a high school friend. 
and was so scared that her friend would reject her or not talk to her anymore, or maybe even mock her. But just in obedience to the Lord, she just stepped out in faith. And despite her fears, she just did it and yeah. found out that her friend had been diagnosed with cancer and it was looking really bleak. And Lainey goes ahead and tells her about Jesus and her friend just holds on to that truth. Yeah. And the hope of forgiveness of her sins and salvation through Jesus Christ, things that she had never uh, heard of before, transformed the last six weeks of her life. Wow. And and right before she, she died, she got to accept um, Jesus as her Savior and be baptized right in time to meet Jesus in heaven. It's amazing that Lainey is a current day Deborah to me. I get to learn from her, do life with her. And the world may not look at things like that and say, there's a leader. But that's what I see her as God's leader mm -hmm. because she she transformed someone's life. That's what leaders do. That's what leaders in God's kingdom does. He uses leaders in families, in marriages, in small groups, in friend circles, in churches, in at workplaces, in the government, in the corporate world, anywhere and everywhere. He is using those who are obedient to him to transform the lives of others. And after this six unusual women of the Bible series, we're hoping to introduce you to six amazing women in my life who I feel are current day Deborah's and I can't wait. I'm so excited to get to share, share my friends with you. And so that's coming up on the podcast. So so stay with us. <laughs> That's going to be great. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cynthia. That's amazing. And it's just great to, and I, I know that we've titled it Six Unusual Women. And sometimes the expectation when you have a title like that is like, oh, it's for women to listen to. <laughs> but right. let me just encourage my fellow men that it's also valuable for us to learn mm -hmm. about wonderful women from scripture who obeyed God and were called to serve God and others. And I think that's a wonderful thing for us to look up to as well. Cynthia, so we're on a roll now. We've been through three different women. Who do we have for next week? Next week, we're moving on to the New Testament and we're speaking about Lydia, businesswoman. Nice. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's going to be an exciting one. Well, thank you to all of you uh, for listening to this week's episode. Uh, we always try to have an episode every Wednesday, even if this one is late for those. My, it's my apologies. Fault. <laughs> it's my fault. Dickers. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> well, they don't have to know that. It's, you don't have to worry about it, even if you don't get it on Wednesday, because you'll get a notification if you subscribe to the podcast and then mm -hmm. turn that on whatever podcast app that you use so that you always know when the next episode comes out. And uh, Cynthia, where can they go and how can they get a question to you or a comment or a suggestion? For future yes, email episodes. me, please, at Cynthia at PickUpYourBible.com. We're also on Instagram at PickUpYourBible. So, yeah, reach out to us. Yeah. Let us know what you think, how we can improve, what you'd like to hear. We're open to all kinds of input. All right. Absolutely. We would love to hear from you. And listeners, may you experience the knowledge, wisdom, and love of God as you join us and pick up your Bible. Until next time, God bless you.